Welcome to Craft Life Episode 4, Hacking the Craft. In this episode, I challenge you to become a hacker. We'll talk about how hacking and livestock relate to one another. I'll share with you a website that is full of inspiration and DIY goodness. And an update on whether or not the Easter Bunny delivered what I asked for. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Hello, and thank you for joining me for this fourth episode of Craft Life. I'd like to say welcome back to all of you returning listeners out there and to any brand new listeners, welcome, and I hope you stick around for a while. Well, life has been quite eventful around our house the past few weeks. Um, recently, I returned home from work only to discover that our house had been broken into and many of our things had been stolen. Um, included in that list of things that was gone was my laptop. This is... This, you know, it's your laptop. It, it houses everything of your life, all of my files, all of my pictures, all of my music, um, everything, all of my documents and, and things that are related to the podcast, just everything was in the laptop and that was gone. So been busy doing a little bit of rebuilding and recuperating over the past few weeks. Um, I am recording this episode on my brand new laptop. I'm so glad to have it. Um, it is a little bit different. The The program is a newer version that, that I used to record the podcast and I'm still trying to tweak some of the sound to get rid of some of the background hums and noises. Um, so thank you for bearing with me as I, as I learn this new version of the program. And hopefully over the next few episodes, I'll get it worked back out to, to kind of where we were with the first few episodes. Other than that, oh, and I should just let you know, everybody was safe. Um, the dogs were fine, even though they were home when it happened and they were inside. Um, they're good. They're, they're happy. They acted like nothing at all strange had gone on when I got home that day. So we're all good and everything's back to normal. Aside from that, this past weekend, I got an email asking me if I would mind stepping in kind of last minute and, um, and stepping into the role of a music director for a number that the Dallas Children's Theater was doing for their benefit fundraiser that they're having this weekend. So this past week has, has really been busy trying to jump in kind of last minute, um, making it to rehearsals in the evenings and, and getting all of that figured out. And it has actually been a lot of fun. This is the first time that I've done any kind of music directing since we've moved here to Texas. And I've really enjoyed it. I didn't realize how much I've missed, you know, filling, filling that role until I got the opportunity to go up and try it again this past week. And so I'm hoping that I'll be able to do a little bit more of that in the future. But enough about all of my goings on. Let's go ahead and get to today's topic, hacking the craft. What images spring to mind when I say the word hacker? Most of my ideas of what constitutes a hacker come courtesy of Hollywood. You have the nerd slacker type, 
looking to skim a few million dollars with very low-key computer worms, as in the movie Office Space. Then there's the uber-cool leather-wearing teens in the movie Hackers, breaking into the school's computer system, altering their class schedules, and playing pranks with the indoor sprinkler system. And then you have the often under-celebrated tech guru of the crime caper movies like Mission Impossible or television shows like Leverage. Without this key player, there would be no one to disable those pesky security systems just in the nick of time. According to Eric S. Raymond, compiler of The New Hacker's Dictionary, the term hacker comes with eight possible definitions, ranging from a person who enjoys exploring the details of programmable systems and how to stretch their capabilities, all the way to a malicious meddler who tries to discover sensitive information by poking around. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to focus on definitions 6 and 7. An expert or enthusiast of any kind, one might be an astronomy hacker, for example, or one who enjoys the intellectual challenge of creatively overcoming or circumventing limitations. Allow me to introduce you to the ultimate hacker, MacGyver. If you were not watching television in America in the late 80s, or if you were born after 1992, you may not be aware of this hacker extraordinaire. MacGyver was the title character in a television show that, as Wikipedia so aptly puts it, follows the intelligent, optimistic, laid-back, resourceful secret agent Angus MacGyver, played by Richard Dean Anderson. Educated as a scientist with a background as a bomb team technician and from a fictional United States government agency, he is a resourceful agent able to solve complex problems with everyday materials he finds at hand, along with his ever-present duct tape and Swiss army knife. A typical scene from MacGyver might play out as follows. While escaping from some very menacing members of a South American drug cartel, MacGyver finds himself in a dusty, dead-end alley. Within a matter of seconds, he creates a catapult using a paper clip, a bit of clothesline from a nearby apartment window, some handy-dandy duct tape, and a handful of licorice jelly beans, and propels himself to safety. MacGyver was a master of the seventh hacker definition, one who enjoys the intellectual challenge of creatively overcoming or circumventing limitations. And he most often did so even without so much as glancing at a computer. And that brings me to you, my creative crafters. When it comes to your art, are you a hacker? Rachel Betty Case is. She is a sculptor and jewelry maker, but not in the traditional sense. Her mediums of choice? Belly button lint and human ivory, better known as fingernail and toenail clippings. And whether you are intrigued by this idea or a little grossed out, one look at Rachel's particular style of art and you absolutely have to appreciate her talent and ingenuity. If you're a crafter who enjoys needlepoint, perhaps you might want to consider trading in your plastic canvas for a chain link fence, as one Carnegie Mellon University art student did. He Jin Lee took a few skeins of brightly colored yarn and wove them into the chain link fence which bordered a pedestrian bridge, creating three beautiful geometric panels and adding a creative spark to an otherwise uninspiring environment. While these two ladies may exhibit a higher level of hacking skill when it comes to their art, hacking your craft can start off small. I'm sure most of you have already come across the idea of knitting with garbage bags or plastic shopping bags instead of yarn. 
These items knit up quickly and the result is waterproof. How about swapping your paint set with a condiment buffet? An autumnal landscape in shades of barbecue sauce? Anyone? Anyone? So if you're interested, I challenge you to look at your craft from a different angle. Try taking it to extremes. Try substituting the usual tools of your trade for something else. You might make a mess, and you might have some fun, and you just might discover something extraordinary along the way. Now, when I was trying to come up with a good Southernism that would go hand in hand with hacking, um, I decided to think about the side of hacking that has to do with, with using items for a purpose other than, than what they're originally intended, like MacGyver and the jelly beans and the catapult. And I think I have come up with the perfect Southernism to go along with hacking. And, and while this particular phenomenon may not be as southernly localized, if that's even a term, as southernly localized, um, it, it may be a little more widespread than just localized to the south, but it's, it's just too appropriate not to share with you. So without further ado, I promised you in the intro to tell you how hacking and livestock relate to one another. And ladies and gentlemen, that is with cow tipping. Cow tipping. Activity. Definition. The purported activity of sneaking up on a sleeping upright cow and pushing it over for fun. Usage example. Hey, if you don't have any plans for Saturday night, would you care to join me for a little cow tipping? For the uninitiated, allow me to enlighten you as to what exactly cow tipping is. The story goes that cows sleep standing up, and since they sleep standing up and they don't have very good balance, I guess because they're asleep, you can easily sneak up on them in the dark, give them a little shove, and they'll fall over on their side, and this is supposed to be great fun. I have attempted cow tipping once. When I was a good bit younger, I had to sleep over, and as middle school age girls do, we sat up all night giggling and telling stories and truth or dare. And at some point we thought it would be a wonderful idea to go out into the pastures next to the house and try to tip some cows. This obviously was not very successful. Um, of the, the few of us who even had the guts enough to get into the pasture, um, we could not get close enough to a cow to touch it at all. Um, every time we'd get within, oh, probably about 10 yards, they would just wander away. So we didn't even get a chance to see if we could tip a cow. Now, as I said, I'm going to approach this from a Mythbusters point of view. Fact one, cows do not sleep standing up. They sleep lying down. Um, fact two, you cannot tip a cow alone. It's it's like Reese Witherspoon's character in Sweet Home Alabama said, like I could tip a cow by myself. And actually, you can't tip a cow by yourself. And it would be very hard to tip a cow with two people if the cow did not shift its weight and recover its footing. Um, you would most likely have to have at least four people. And then there would have to be a lot of things that met in unity all in that one moment to allow you to tip a cow over. Basically, cow tipping it's a myth. People still like to joke about it as being the 
redneck drunkard thing to do on the weekends. And you'll probably encounter people who have claimed that they have indeed tipped a cow, but I doubt it. But anyway, if you don't believe me, if you would still like to try to go out and tip a cow yourself, I have a lovely little video that I have linked to in the show notes um, by Howcast, and they give you directions, exactly the steps you need to take to successfully tip a cow. I encourage you to watch it, and oh, if you are successful, please report back to me because you would be the first person I've met who actually was. One of the things that I like to do in my spare time when I'm not crafting or being creative is to play video games. And one of my favorite developers is Bethesda Game Studios, and they make the game Fallout 3. Fallout is set in a post-apocalyptic America where you play as a character who has been sealed in a vault since the nuclear apocalypse happened, and you come out of the vault and that's sort of where your adventure begins. Well, the Fallout series has a pretty large fan base, and one of their fortunate fan groups is the group associated with Indie Mogul. The Indie Mogul group has put out a fan film called Nuka Break, and it's it's set in the same type of world that the video game is set in. And, you know, as far as fan films go, they can be oh, anywhere from pretty good to just absolutely stinking bad but I was very impressed by their fan film. And I will link to it in the show notes, and I encourage you to go take a look. The video game Fallout is rated M, so, you know, don't go getting it for your 12-year-old. But the fan film, I would probably rate it around a PG-13. There are a few swear words, and there is one shoot 'em up gun scene. So just for full disclosure, so you know what you're getting into when you go to watch either one of these, um, check it out, Indie Mogul's Nuka Break. It's on YouTube, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. But I would also like to point them out, because if you go to their website, they have a series called Backyard FX. And this is a wonderful DIY series. Uh, they take you through how to construct your own Harry Potter wand, or as in the case of the Nuka Break fan film, how they constructed many of the props that they used in the movies. And this is such a great example of hacking the craft. Um, one of the things that they did in particular was they, they created this flying robot out of a globe, um, a whisk, a doorstop. They used a laundry basket that they cut up. It's just, they just take all of these random things and the end result is really quite impressive. So I encourage you to go check them out. I will also have a link to the Indie Mogul's Backyard FX series in the show notes as well. So you can go, you can watch the fan film, you can check out the Backyard FX series, and I'll also have a link directly to the series episode that deals with the fan film so you can see how they made all of the, the really neat things that they use in there. Check it out. Lots of DIY projects if you just want to get crafty and creative with what you have laying around the house most of the time. If you listened to episode three, you know that I had a very special request of the Easter Bunny. One thing that I am in great need of in my knitterly pursuits is a ball winder and a yarn swift. And these are things that I passed up at the Dallas Fiber Fest that 
not that I am regretting any of the purchases that I made, but I really, really need that ball winder and yarn swift. And so I was relying on the Easter Bunny to, to make that happen for me this year. Well, Easter morning, I got up out of bed and I crept into the living room and I looked into my Easter basket and there was a letter. That was it. And here's what the letter said. My dear Amanda, as you have no doubt already discerned, your Easter basket does not contain those particular items that you have requested. Not wanting you to discover this empty receptacle with no explanation as to the barrenness of its condition, I have endeavored to put forth to you, by way of this letter, the circumstances which have led me to withhold such gifts as I am certain would bring you much knitterly delight. To begin with, I would like to bring to your attention a certain personal fact, the knowledge of which I doubt you, or many others for that matter, are privy. I am not merely the Easter Bunny. I am, by birth, an Angora Rabbit. Being a consumer of fine yarns, I am sure you are well acquainted with the luxuriousness and high demand of this soft and warm fiber which I daily take such great pleasure in wearing. It is this second characteristic, the high demand, which has given me pause and eventually led me to make a decision in which, though at first you may find shocking, it is my greatest hope that you will take much delight. Many years, nay, decades, I have spent in the occupation of annually delivering small gifts and treats into the eager hands of many wonderful and deserving children and, as in your case, a handful of select adults. While this is a pastime from which I have derived great enjoyment, there comes a time in the life of every bunny when he or she begins to feel unsettled and desirous of a change of occupation. It is this discontent which has led to my decision to make this my last year as the Easter Bunny. From this point on, this role will now be filled by my cousin Franklin. I, on the other hand, will be embarking on a new vocational adventure as a purveyor of exquisite Angora yarns. You may well have already concluded the rest of my story. I intend to supply the fiber required for the creation of such yarn from my person. I will then spin the fiber into yarn and prepare it for distribution using such tools and implements as you have requested. Yarn swifts and ball winders will be so indispensable to the production of my yarn that it is with deep regret that I am unable to part with these instruments in order to meet your Easter request. I did not wish, however, to leave you completely devoid of alternatives. In regards to a yarn swift, you will find in the postscript to this letter direction for the construction of a portable yarn swift using four plastic coat hangers, a handful of clothes pins, and a cardboard box, courtesy of Webecca Says. This really is quite an ingenious little contraption, the materials for which are very reasonable in cost. And as far as a ball winder is concerned, it is my understanding that you are married to a rather strapping young man with a remarkable constitution, which lends itself well to the task of winding yarn. It is my hope that these suggestions, while not meeting your request completely, will at least serve as reasonable alternatives and provide suitable aid in meeting your yarn needs. Yours sincerely, E. Bunny.
So that's what the Easter Bunny had to say about that. I'm, I'm actually glad that he left me a letter instead of just leaving nothing. Then I would have wondered what I've been doing wrong all year to make him mad at me. Anyway, I checked out those instructions that he referenced in his postscript, and they're actually pretty neat. Um, I'll have a link to those on the show notes as well if you would like to check them out yourself. And uh, Mr. E-Bunny, if you're out there listening, I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And once you get that Angora Yarn Company going, send me a link because I'd like to go check it out. All right, that's enough of that silliness. Let's move on to what I'm knitting. Well, I'm actually not knitting a single thing at this moment. I have finished everything that I was working on. Last episode, I told you about the Liesl scarf that I had cast on, and I think I was about halfway finished with it. Well, that has been completed and blocked, and it's in my closet waiting for cooler weather, because right now in Texas, it's it's pretty hot. Um, I also finished spinning up the skylight roving that I got from the Dallas Fiber Festival um, from the Two If By Hand store and I finished spinning it and I plied it. it was my first time plying and that turned out really well I was very excited about that and then I cast on the waterfall scarf by Cosette Cornelius Bates and if you have been on Ravelry lately if you've looked at the the most popular patterns you will have seen the the drop stitch scarf the waterfall scarf is basically the same thing as the drop stitch scarf only it's it's narrower instead of having five of the the patterns it's only got three and since I had a limited amount of yarn I decided that was probably the best way to go I finished it and it's not quite as long as I would have liked so right now I'm really debating on frogging the whole thing and starting over from the beginning. And I thought, well, I could just use a larger needle. And then I had a second thought and I said, well, maybe no, I need to use a smaller needle. And right now I'm torn between the two. I don't know if I should cast on with a larger needle or a smaller needle. The bottom line is I want the end result to be narrower and longer. So if you have any advice, please leave me a comment on the blog or you can shoot me an email at treacleandink at hotmail.com. Well, before we wrap everything up for today, I have a few editorial notes. First of all, I would like to say thank you to Amy. Last week, I gave you the translation of Trabajos del Peru as Peru Jobs, and that was thanks to the brilliance of Google Translator. Well, Google Translator can only go so far, and Amy wrote me, to enlighten me about this. She took Spanish and she knows what she's talking about. She says that Trabajos del Peru is actually translated works of Peru, which just sounds so much better than Peru jobs. It sounds like works of art, works of Peru. I like it. Thank you so much, Amy. And to anyone else out there, if you hear anything that I've said on the podcast and you think, no, 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 that's not right, please get in touch with me and let me know because I would rather you let me know than for it to just be out there forever and to be wrong forever. Also, I would like to say a big thank you to those of you who have left reviews in iTunes. It's absolutely wonderful. I go check iTunes and there's three reviews there and, and it's unbelievable. I'm amazed. Thank you so much for listening and for taking the time to go and to leave the feedback. Find links to everything I've talked about in today's episode on the blog, www.treacleandinketsy.wordpress.com. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email treacleandink at hotmail.com. 
You can also check out the new Craft Life Ravelry group, or you can find me on Facebook as well as Ravelry. My name is Treacle and Ink. Join me next week when we'll talk about something that's pretty important to me, and I'll bet at least a little important to you, creating on a budget. Until then, thanks so much, and have a great week.